Open your Bibles to Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 1. If you're, oh, I hear the real Bibles going there. All right. I'm okay with devices as well. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. As the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and also the women who were... Mm -hmm. I lost my place. Got it. All right. Mary, the mother of James, and also other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up, and he ran to the empty tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went, his, he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. What good can come out of a tomb? What living thing lives in a tomb? What, what benefit is there in a dead place except to pay your respects to what has already passed? Today we're going to talk about life coming from dead places. We're going to take a, a little journey, a three-part journey, I'd call it. First, we're going to go into the depths of despair and talk about how terrible everything is. Don't we all need a good gripe every now and again? You just get it out of your system. Oh, it's so, it's so bad. Then we're going to examine how God intervened to save the world from its destructive crash course. And finally, we'll dig into that inter how that intervention plays out in our personal lives, and how God brings life from the dead places in us. This is the whole story of the Gospels. This is what the point is here. Jesus rose from the dead, he brought resurrection life, and he brings it to us, otherwise there's no point. This is why this day is so important for us. All right, you ready to begin with the bad news? Everybody ready to be cheerful together? Here we go. There is death everywhere. Everywhere. You see it most often around here in the fall when everything 
starts to die and the leaves turn brown. You see it in the natural world. But beyond just the cycle, every year, we're on a trajectory as creation as a whole. We are declining. We are declining. You, you ever hear people talk about how, um, how the human DNA is being slowly corrupted and now, you know, we suffer with things that we didn't used to suffer with. Never mind with the, you know, scientific and technological advances. We also have longer lifespans to suffer with those things. But things are not getting better in the world around us. They're getting worse. Even in our personal lives, if left to resolve themselves, the things we face do not tend to magically resolve themselves and end up better than they were before. No, they, they usually end up worse. Things get more complicated. Things, things get worse. And the world around us, the political situations without the proper intervention, just left to their own devices, will get worse. The, the conflicts between nations, the, the illnesses, the, all the stuff, it gets worse. And of course, now we hear about it easier online, and so it even feels worse maybe than it actually is, but it, it is inclined to get worse. Everything and everyone dies at some point. Creation is slowly dying and devolving. Um, have you ever had a pet that passed away? That stinks. Um, even, even the longest living things, the plants and the trees that that live, it seems like, forever, for generations, 500, 1,000. There's olive trees in Israel that were likely there when Jesus walked. But even those die. Creation is slowly dying and devolving. Tragedy strikes. Tragedy brings death uh, to people, to relationships, to your hopes and your plans and your dreams. Sin brings death. What is, what is death really? Death would be defined as separation. When a loved one dies, you are now separated from them. They're, they're no longer with you. That's how we think about death when we're talking about um, our relationship with God and eternal death and what Scripture describes as death is a separation. And sin causes death. Sin separates you from your creator whom you were created to be with. And so there's, there's death there, and that's really why there's death everywhere. Separation from each other, separation from a loved one, separation from God is death. And our human experience is culminated and wrapped up in death. And now we are all so happy. I can feel the joy emanating from you. So this is, our, this is the current condition. This is what, what things are in the natural. This is what we experience apart from God in our life. No matter how good you do things, how well you operate, how successful you may become, you end up encompassed in death and your life will end in death. But that wasn't the way it was originally designed. That's not how God wanted it to be when he first created creation and when he created you. Last week, we talked about life 2.0 and how when Jesus came and he rescued us and he rose from the dead, he gave us life 
not like it was before, but even better. He didn't come and do a remodel on the front part of your house and call it good because now it has curb appeal. He went in and he restored everything from the foundation up. Life 2.0. And, and what that really means is now you have the ability to be in relationship with the creator. Your original life was designed for that, to be in relationship with your creator. That's why you were created. And then, of course, sin, we were separated, there's death. Life 2.0 means that you can now be in that relationship for which you were created. God needed to make a way for that to happen. Because God is the God of life. He's not the God of death. He's the God of life. God created all life. He's literally the creator. That's what we call him. Life and living come naturally to him. Luke 20, verse 38 says, Now he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living, for all live in him. We're talking about Jesus rising from the dead. Before that, he, he had to die. And before that, he had to come. And why did he come? He came to, and he told us why. He came to heal. He came to save the lost. He came to give life. He came to forgive. He did not come for judgment. He did not come for condemnation. He did not come to bring accountability. Though he certainly was within his rights to do that. John 3, 17 says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Saved from death. Saved from separation. Which means that we are now brought in life back together with the Creator. See, God specializes in resurrection. God specializes in recycling. He does that too. Anybody have the blue bin at their house? Does anybody use it? Okay. I use it because I run out of room in my garbage can. No, uh, I really try and use it right. I do. Um, we recycle things. They get reused, and, and it seems like it, some products are just really cool because they're used of... Uh, Okay, like, like the playground surfaces that are made from recycled tires, right? That's pretty cool, you, and, and that's an awesome thing, and you'd think maybe just that tire's done. No, they make something cool out of it. God is way better at recycling than that. He brings life into dead places. He brings life out of dead places and situations he uses the tragedies and the death in our life to, to make new and better things. Um, have you ever been on a walk through a forest and you see a, a big old tree that's been lying down for years? That's probably the, the best example of nature recycling things. And God set that up. Look at all the life that comes from that tree. All the different plants and, and creatures and everything that that facilitates how about the the um, the illustration that Jesus used about a grain of wheat a grain of wheat 
remains alone, he said, unless it falls to the ground and dies. And then it reproduces and brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold. It brings forth much more than what went down because it died. There was that, there was that recycling. There was that God using that death to bring forth life, life out of the deadness, life out of the dead places. These are types. These are illustrations. Um, They illustrate how the Holy Spirit works in us and how he works in the details of our life. If you are here and you've given your life to Jesus, you know that you have eternal life. You will be resurrected. But in the meantime... There is also resurrection life for you. Have you ever seen a miracle? You ever seen like a dramatic healing or, or been a part of a situation? Maybe even somebody raised from the dead? Like, that's scriptural. That happens. Don't freak out on me. Like, that, that really does. I've, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've been a part of things. Most of the miracles that we would talk about and share stories of are are things on the outside. But I would say that God does far more miraculous things on the inside and things that we cannot see. And I would also argue that those are much harder to do. The brokenness in me, the brokenness in you, the, the heartache you've lived through, the the abuse that you've suffered, the the tragedies in life, you don't just make it go away. But God has a way of bringing life out of that dead place. He has a way of, of taking that tragedy and removing the pain and the sting of it and then using it for his glory, using it for your good, for the good of others. That's... In my, in my mind, that's way more complex and way more difficult than, than healing a broken leg or restoring hearing, though those are really cool too. He does those. And then the foundational and most profound example of God resurrecting is Jesus Christ coming out of that grave and rising from the dead with a new resurrected body. See, he was dead. He was in that place where he was dead. He didn't swoon. He didn't pass out from pain and exhaustion. He was dead. They cut his heart open with a spear. There had been a massive heart attack. Blood and water flowed. It said he was gone. It was bad. There was not not a recovery possible in human context. But God brings life from dead places, and that's what he did with Jesus. God is the God of the living not the God of the dead. And he brought Jesus back to life. Scripture says he was the firstborn of many. We are to be like him. So death could not hold Jesus. God intervened in in the death and the mess of things that creation was in. He brings his salvation. Jesus raises from the dead, rises from the dead. And now... He offers that intervention, that life, to you and I. If there is death everywhere, and there is, and things are going downhill, and they are, 
And if God has intervened on behalf of his beloved creation, and he has, then the next question is, what does that really mean for me? Or even shorter, so what? Really, the point of, of any of this talking is to convince you that there is life for you today. There is life for you in Jesus today. How, how, is, it, how is it for you? You have life in Jesus because of his death and resurrection. Scripture says that when he died on the cross, it was in your place, my place. It says that when he rose from the dead, it was on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, so that all who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Just as his death was, was on your behalf and vicarious in nature, so his resurrection was on your behalf. He died and he rose so that you may have life. And it is for you. Death could not hold him. And so because he did this on your behalf, this is what it means. It's credited to you. Scripture says it's credited to you. You are considered what the scripture says, dead to the flesh, dead to sin, and then made alive again in Jesus when you put your faith in him. It was not for himself that he conquered sin and death. He didn't need to conquer it for himself. He was already above it. He conquered it on your behalf. It was for you. And since you were in a place of death, and I was in a place of death, then this intervention by God on our behalf is for you. He brings life out of dead places. I was a dead place. I was a dead place. Do you have dead places in your heart? Do you have things going on in your life that are broken and tragic and dead? Jesus will bring life to those places. You qualify for resurrection life because you either were or are dead. Ephesians 2.1 says you were dead in your trespasses. You were dead in your sins. But that's exactly where God brings life. Jesus offers to you and to me resurrection life. This means eternal life. On the other side, when, when, our, when we, how do we say, when we shuffle off this mortal coil and cross over to the great beyond, right? There is eternal life. Scripture says we have eternal life in Jesus to be with our creator forever, John 3, 15 and 16. So whoever believes in him will have, uh, in him will have eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal means it doesn't end. It means forever, right? John 3.36 says, John has a lot to say about life. 
He says, um, Jesus still talking here. He says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let's have life. Let's do life and not wrath, all right? Romans 6, and 23, but having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life. One more from John, 1 John 5. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Outside this physical world we now inhabit, we will have eternal life. Death, again, is defined as a separation, separated from our loving creator, separated from our loved ones, and then life, conversely, is defined as that connection to and relationship with the creator. We call life a lot of things, living, you could, you know, living it up, doing this and that, and, you know, that's living. Living life, according to scripture, would be connection with your creator, which is the reason you were created. Life would be fulfilling your purpose in the reason you were created. If your faith, your trust, and hope is in Jesus and his resurrection, then you are joined to him. Death couldn't hold him. Now it won't hold you either. Your body will die and fall away, and you'll find yourself in the presence of of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says, we are of good courage, and I say, uh, prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. No, Paul was not suicidal. He was just stating the truth that it's going to be preferable to be with the Lord rather than here. But in Jesus, we have eternal life. Eternal life is ahead of us. But we also have life today. Jesus, when he was here, he went around doing good, healing the sick, preaching the gospel to the poor, delivering the oppressed. That was a fairly temporal thing. Because those, even the people that he raised from the dead were going to die again. Right? But he came to bring life life abundantly, and part of that life is right here and now. Now, be careful. I'm not saying that God is in the business of making everything work out well for you, and you'll never have problems, and you'll always um, have everything you want, and, and you know, if you pray just right, you'll get the right kind of car, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going there. Because that's not how God defines life. He defines life as connection with him. God is the God of the living, which means he works in the living. He's not waiting for you to cross over into eternity to start doing things in you. He's working to bring resurrection life in you today, if you'll let him do it. Now, resurrection requires a previous death. 
which is why I keep saying he brings life from dead places. He brings life from the the hard places. Luckily for you and I, we started that way. (laughs) We started dead. So God can do anything in us. Now faith in Jesus brings resurrection life to our hearts. Our spirit comes alive and we're able to have real relationship with our creator. We are now capable in Jesus to have relationship with the Father. But in the details and the elements of our life, also the resurrection life that he offers us is only experienced after a death. The resurrection life of God is only experienced after a death. Somebody said, what? There, there we go. I think Stan, could you turn me up a little bit? I think I need to be louder. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Romans eight twenty eight all the way through thirty. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard me vamp on this one. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then we keep reading. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. In other words, he's going to make you look like Jesus. So that he would be, Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined to this, he also called, and these whom he called, he also justified, and these whom he justified, he also glorified. It says in verse 28 that he uses all things. All things, I looked it up. All things means all things. Everything. 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 All the things in your life he will use when those things are submitted to him. The good things for sure, but especially the hard things. Especially the broken things and the dead things. Especially the dark and the terrible things. Because he specializes in bringing life to those places. 2 Corinthians again, 12, 9 says, the Lord said to to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. In this passage, Paul has been asking God to take away something that's been troubling him. Resolve this situation. Take away this, this thing that's bugging me. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for power, my power specifically, is perfected in weakness. Paul continues, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. The power and the life of Christ will dwell in my weakness and in the places of my life that have been dark and broken. In our failings, in our brokenness, and in our pain, the resurrection life of God brings about life in us. Again, I'm not saying that things will just get better once you're gone. I'm not saying that you just suffer through life and then you'll have real life on the other side. I'm simply pointing out that God knows how to use the carnage around you and the carcass of things dead to 
bring life about in ways that were not possible before. That's what he will do. And the life that God brings is far more real, far more permanent, and far more big picture than you and I think about. Take Paul, for example. He's saying, God, take this thing away from me. This is troubling me. I'm tired of dealing with this. Take it away. And God didn't answer like that. God didn't say, oh, okay. I'll t- I'll, whatever you need, I'll make your life easy. Let's go. That is not what God said. God said, hey, I'm doing something in you. My grace is going to be revealed in you, not only in spite of this weakness, but through this weakness, I will bring life. My power will be exhibited in your weakness. You and I have our ideas of how to fix things. We have all the solutions. I have some friends that I get together with uh, every so often, and, and the first probably hour of our conversation is just solving the world's problems. And then, and then we get on to whatever we really need to talk about. But first, we're going <laughs> to, we know everything. I mean, we can fix it. And uh, man, if they would just do this, they are obviously not looking at it this way. They can't see this. And, and we have our ideas. We got our, our notions. We know how to fix it. We know how to, if they would just stop this behavior, our relationship would be good. Or if, if I got the things that I really want, life would be better and it would solve all my problems. Or what we need is a change in the laws surrounding this issue. And God doesn't, see here's, those, those are fine, those are fine, but God doesn't think like you think. He doesn't think like I think. And aren't we glad? <laughs> he has his own way of doing things, and in the end it far exceeds what you can imagine and what your solutions would accomplish. We'll end up being so grateful in the end that we let him do things his way instead of us doing things our way and on our own. Remember that the tree dies and then all that life comes from it. God works life from the death in ways we cannot imagine beforehand. You know that that tree was not thinking, boy, you know, it'd just be better if I, you know, fell over and started to decay and then all these things could grow. It's been years since I've heard her name, but growing up I heard her name a lot. Johnny Erickson Tata. She was a believer. Had a terrible accident. Broke, broke her whole body, really. Ended up being a quadriplegic for her whole life. She's, she's not gone. She's still around, isn't she? What's that? Yes, she's still here. Still here. And still a believer, right? But when she had her accident and was going through all the, the initial stages of that, you better believe that they were praying for healing. A physical healing. And now all these years later, we can look back and say, well... God didn't heal her physically, but he had other things in mind. He had bigger things in mind, things that she and her family in that moment could not possibly comprehend. 
bigger things for other people, but also for her own heart and her soul to shape her into the image of Jesus. Again, Romans says that, that he works everything in our life, if we will give it to him, for our good, and that good is shaping us into the image of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have an awesome beard. That means that you will relate to the Father like Jesus related to the Father. The life that Jesus had and life defined as connection to the Creator, that's what you have. That's what you can have. That's what you can walk in. That kind of connection to your Creator, that is life. And you are being conformed through all the things in your life to the image of Jesus to have that kind of relationship with the Father. His purpose for you is that kind of life. I'm going to recap our journey here for a minute. Life stinks. There's death everywhere. God needed to intervene because death was not what he created this world for. He did intervene through Jesus Christ and he brought back life. He brought life from the tomb and he brought life to the dead places. He brought the possibility of relationship with him back. And that life is for you. Jesus says all who believe can have eternal life. Now, Life in the end will be glorious on the other side. We catch little glimpses of that in the book of Revelation and some in the Old Testament of what heaven will look like. And it's going to be amazing. But until you get there, he has a purpose for you. And that purpose is learning to relate to the Father like Jesus did. Learning to think like Jesus did, learning to act like Jesus did. Sometimes that sounds pretty simple, but it's going to take everything in your life. And God will use those things, those dead things, the hard things, to bring more connection with Him, more life. You need this life. You need the resurrection life that Jesus offers you. You need eternal life. But you need life today. And if you don't have it, you're dead. I mean, you're dead now. Not like you're going to die. That wasn't a threat. That was like, <laughs> I'm going to make him an offer. I can, anyway. You're dead in your sins. You're dead in your trespasses. You are separated from God. There's, there's no life. Life as it should be in you. That might sound like it's, it's bad news, but it's only bad news if you choose to leave it that way. It can be good news because that's where God brings life, is out of the dead places. God brings life out of the dead places. Jesus was in a cold tomb, dead, and that's where life came out of. The brokenness in your heart 
the rough things you've lived through, the dysfunction that you feel you can't fix, God will bring life to you. Not just fix it all and make it better. He'll bring real life. Jesus made a way to be alive again, to be in relationship with the creator who is your source of life. You can live. I mean, really live the way you were created to. Jesus laid aside his divinity. He it was like he took off his, his outer garment and he laid it aside when he joined us as a man. He lived as a man. He was tempted in every way as a human, and yet he never sinned. And then he died anyways to pay for your sin, for your rebellion. He took your death and he nailed it to that cross, removing the barriers between you and your creator. And then he was raised to life again by the power of God. Today, if you have not given your life such that it is to Jesus, it's your time. It's time to give your life to the one who gave his life for you. If you let him have your life, then he will bring real life to the dead places. If you have given your heart to Jesus and you've given your life to him and you live for him, I encourage you today, there is life for you today. Don't give up and despair and just wait for the sweet by and by. There is life for you today. There is a deeper connection with your creator today. Scripture says he's, he's gonna spend your whole life doing that with you. Let him have your life. Let him bring life to the dead places and resurrect you. We're gonna pray together and I would just ask that, that I could have everybody repeat after me. We're gonna pray and I, and I this is, I, I guess, a version of the sinner's prayer, but boy, we ought to be praying this pretty regularly. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for dying on a cross in my place. It was a punishment that I rightly deserved. Thank you for making a way for me, a way to have life real life in relationship with my creator. You paid everything for me. You purchased my life. Now in turn, I give my life to you. I believe you are who you said you are. You're the son of God. I believe that you were raised from the grave, raised by the power of God. I believe your resurrection was and is for me. My life is yours.
and your life is mine. Not just a little piece of it, but all of it. I invite you, Lord, into every part of my life. Cleanse my mind. Give me a new heart. Bring true life to the dead places. Thank you, Jesus. And we all prayed that together. But if you prayed that for the first time today, would you find someone to talk to before you leave? Look for one of these or somebody you trust. You could also fill out a connect card and tell us what happened if you really don't want to talk to anybody. But we'd love to, to follow up. There's next steps. For all of us, there's next steps. For God to bring life into new places in us. This is a life-changing moment in the beginning of a new life, and, and we need, if, if you prayed that for the first time, we need to get you heading in the right direction. Thank you, Jesus, for resurrection life. Thank you that you did this for us. Today, we want to live in that resurrection life. We want to experience your life coming from the dead places in our heart, from the dead places in our life. We want to see resurrection life, and that's what you do. So we yield to you, Lord. We yield to you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. He is risen. Indeed. Come on. Yeah, yes. We have some festivities because it is Resurrection Sunday. So we've got refreshments here in the back, fresh coffee here, and then, of course, for our children, we've got an egg hunt. So if you are helping with the egg hunt, that was your cue. And, and, uh, and if you've got children in, the, in kids' church, now's the time to get them, and we'll begin that egg hunt shortly. God bless you. Thanks for coming. See you soon.